This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another riveting edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly from Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. The primary struggle that sales and marketing people face when targeting buyers really has two parts. First, the ability to find the right person to talk to, and second, figuring out the best way to talk to them. In other words, the right messaging and value proposition for the right people. And pro tip, if you want to win more, the right messaging and value prop are not about you or the canned messaging and value props found in your sales decks. Those are meant to be great starting points, but if you fail to understand and tailor to the needs of the person looking to buy, you will likely fail to differentiate from your competition, often forcing the person, your buyer, to use price as the primary differentiator. This is bad. But luckily, there's a lot of opportunity to combat this. And guess what? It starts with your contact data. That's right, your contact data. Today, let's investigate how you can leverage your contact data to optimize the sales experience for your buyer, how you can create better opportunities, starting with better leads, and help your reps increase their win rates. The Sherlock to my Watson in this investigation today is the one and only Mr. Stephen Briers Briarton, Senior Vice President of Sales at Zoom Info. Steve, thanks for joining us. Hey, Ryan. Thank you for having me. All right. Spill the beans, my friend. Give us a little backstory on you and then tell us a little bit about Zoom Info. Yeah, certainly. I've um, So I'm the Senior Vice President, Head of Sales for, for New Business for Zoom Info. I've, I've been with the organization now for, uh, gosh, over 11 and a half years. Um, so at, in, in Zoom Info years, that's, that's a lifetime. Um, yeah. You know, I started, I come from the Discover Org side. So for those that aren't familiar, Discover Org, Zoom Info, um, we're, we're complimentary, albeit competitors, uh, for quite some time. DiscoverOrg acquired ZoomInfo uh, back in, in 2019, and we rebranded as, as ZoomInfo. So when I started um, at DiscoverOrg, we had you know, somewhere between 10 and 12 total employees. Um, you know, we were screaming from the mountaintops the value of, of quality intelligence and how you know, having the right data, the, the right depth uh, and insights can do wonders for your business. And, and 11 years later, um, several acquisitions going public in a pandemic. I think all of those things were, were starting to come to fruition. So um, yeah, I've seen every sort of stage and step of growth, um, both what we've done internally and you know, having a view into 20,000 plus customers and how they run their business, how they go to market, how they think about uh, sales and marketing is giving, uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the job is, is having that sort of constant stream of knowledge coming through. Okay. So uh, also there's been some, uh, you, you've mentioned acquisitions. You, there has been some recent, somewhat recent acquisition internally at Zoom Info. What was it? What happened? Why is it important? There's been several um, in the last uh, just few months here. So we, we've acquired a company called Incent, which is for conversational marketing um, and chat and, and um, lead scheduling and, and conversion to help optimize there. Uh, we've recently acquired uh, Ringlead as well as a data orchestration platform to help cleanse, dedupe, standardize, and then ultimately route um, and enrich uh, records. And the other one, uh, which is, has made quite a bit of noise, was uh, we acquired Chorus.ai uh, for conversation intelligence. Um, 
you know, and that's a big one. It's, it's a, it's a tool that every seller should have, you know, sales leaders like myself and, and probably everyone that's listening. We think about sort of typically two things throughout a day. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that we do, but uh, two main things are, you know, how do we uh, hit our revenue target? How do we grow our business and how do we hire and upskill and uplevel the talent on our team? Um, and without a tool like Chorus and conversation intelligence, it becomes you know, virtually impossible to do that effectively and to scale. And so we've been a believer in this for quite some time. We've used the technology for a long time. Um, we loved what Chorus was doing from a product standpoint, uh, so much so that not only do we're users of it, but we said, hey, let's, let's buy the company um, and let's you know, marry what Zoom Info brings uh, with what Chorus does and, and really take um, sellers' game to the next level. Okay, so that's uh, a lot of acquisitions, right? And Chorus being, like you said, making a lot of noise. What are these acquisitions going to do or how is this going to impact your customers? Why is this valuable for them? Yeah, what we're hearing a lot from the market, you know, the, the proliferation of sales and marketing tools um, it has exploded in the last- Hot market you know, right now for this. Hot yeah, market. exactly. Certainly in the last decade since I've been here, you know, I remember having a conversation with a prospect uh, and the way they were selling was, you know, the book of lists, they sold the hospitals, they would get the annual book every year. And then that's what they went to market with. That's right. how they made decisions. It's insane to think about today. Yeah. Um, and so there are so many tools. I read a stat, a couple of different stats. Um, one said the, the number of sales tools uh, that an average team is using has grown 300% um, over the last 24 months. I saw another one. It said the um, the average was about four tools. Uh, it's now north of nine um, that organizations are using, and so there is a real investment taking place to figure out how to sell, how to market more efficiently, how to arm your team. Um, but the challenge we're hearing is all of those things tend to be siloed. Uh, it's a huge integration challenge. Small businesses, frankly, even medium and large businesses, a lot of times maybe don't have. The operational muscle or you know the ability to invest in it resources to combine all of these things and so while they can start to solve a challenge they then exasperate a big problem which is hey we've made real investments i've got things sitting on the shelf i've got data that's not talking to the you know system a and system b and things are getting lost in translation so what we're building is you know, really a go-to-market operating platform um, you know that a seller can live in every day that operations, that you know, CROs, VPs of sales can analyze every aspect of their business from, hey, which accounts do we go after? Who are the right people to talk to? When is the right time? Let's kick off a motion to engage with them. Uh, let's make that process repeatable. Let's figure out what our sellers are doing and how we make them better. And then have all of the data that comes into all of those different systems be this sort of constant flywheel to get more and more efficient um, in the way that you sell and market. Okay. <clears throat> so you just led into some, some, uh, you just kind of led me into this idea, this, this questions I've got here. So uh, these two main issues that, um, you talked about the, you know, how the acquisition uh, of all these different organizations is helping, uh, sellers, uh, simplify, be kind of, um, force multipliers for organizations that don't have that kind of uh, resource, um, but let's talk about these core issues, right? Find the ability to find the right person and the right messaging for the right person, right? How have you seen these two issues impact your customers? Yeah, I mean, it's at the heart of what every, every organization that's selling uh, and trying to grow is trying to solve, right? right. Who, should, who should I be going after? Um, how do I get a hold of them? And then why? 
And so it does start with you know, a real clean um, intelligence and data layer. Um, in, and that can be a number of different things, right? For, for some organizations, they have sort of a, um, an idea of, hey, this is our best industry, right? Maybe it's the healthcare industry. Maybe you know, in the last 18 months, all of a sudden now, it's the logistics and manufacturing industry uh, that they're trying to get into. And so having a view into what are the market dynamics? Um, how are we performing in those different industries? What changes are taking place? A lot of organizations start to miss that, uh, right? Hey, we want to go after retail. Um, but they don't necessarily uh, monitor win rates or they don't necessarily have a view into sort of triggerable moments that, um, you know, all of a sudden, if you were doing well in uh, healthcare, you could pivot to this other industry. A great example of this, uh, at the start of the pandemic, we've got a customer that um, they manufacture tents. Uh, so like, uh, think of the VIP tent at the Taylor Swift concert, you know, the tent uh, that's on the 18th hole at, you know, not the Masters because they don't do tents, but, you know, another major golf tournament, right? All of those premium VIP tents, that was their business. And then March 2020 happens and their business evaporates overnight. And so their leader said, hey, look, I'm not just going to give up on my employees. We're not just going to fold. We got to figure out what's, what's our pivot point. And so they looked at market dynamics and said, hey, maybe it's healthcare. Maybe we can go after healthcare companies because they need essentially like field hospitals and we could do rapid testing tents. and We could do um, all of these other, these other things for this industry, but without a, a way to say, okay, which hospitals do we go after? How do we talk to the people within those hospitals? We're used to talking to events manager and I've never spoken with a facilities manager at, at a hospital, right? Um, Different so how did, yeah. How do we make that pivot? Um, and so they went from having sort of nothing to a month later, uh, landing multiple hospitals. Two months later, they had the best revenue uh, month in their company's history. And all of that starts with, with the right account data, the right intelligence, and then being able to, to start to make that play. Okay. So <clears throat> let's, when, when we're thinking about optimizing a contact database, right? So we're, we're talking about doing this foundational work. What playbooks have you seen to be most e effective or successful? Yeah, there's, there's a handful. We, there's a, um, our, our new blog that just came out, the pipeline. There's actually a segment on place. So if, uh, not to do a shameless plug here, but there is, there's a ton there. There's uh, no shame here. Plug away. Go, go ahead and check out the pipeline by Zoom Info. You know, some of the things that, that we do internally that we've seen be really successful is kind of similar to what I just talked about with that customer story um, is number one, you know, measure everything along the way, right? So, you know, being able to where we see a, a lot of companies start to falter is they'll get a win and an account, but then they don't necessarily have all of the firmographics of that win or all the data that sort of resulted in that win, right? Like, was there... Um, maybe a new CIO that just came in to the conversation. So there was a new leader, which, you know, triggered this, this happening. Were they spiking on consumption and content related to your offering three months beforehand? Um, you know, was, do they have, do you have employee count complete for that account? Do you have the industries that standardized? Do you have the revenue figures? By landing all of that data and then continually analyzing it, that's where you can start to get better and better and start to see some of the trends. Um, and so we run a lot of campaigns around 
you know, what we call go backs, right? Hey, these are accounts that we had an opportunity with, showed some level of interest. Maybe the timing was wrong. Maybe we didn't really find the pain and sell the value prop right, but the fit was there. And then all of a sudden we looked and realized for our business, hey, there's a new VP of sales or there's a new VP of marketing and being able to then sort of run a, a smart play about that or, hey, there's a former user that just landed at this organization or, you know, they're hiring for a bunch of salespeople. Those type of plays can become really informative um, and having that level of data on, on which accounts to go after now and why. Yeah. So uh, I, I want to go deeper here. Let's peel the onion a touch more. So um, how does it impact the sales experience when you're able to utilize your contact data, this level of personalization that you're talking about, how does it impact the sales experience? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's significantly better for uh, for the customer too, right? We can come in with a point of view on likely what they're going through and what we've been able to solve for, for a customer prior. So, you know, example of that might be a company that just deployed, for us, a company that just deployed Salesforce. You know, for a customer, it might be somebody that, just invested in, in um, AWS or you know Google Cloud, and so they might come to them and say, "Hey, um, you know, we realize you just made an investment in Google, Google Cloud. We've helped customers do X, Y, and Z, you know, post migration, and they've seen you know ABC results in their business." Having sort of that opinion and having that level of knowledge as a prospect, now I see, oh. This person is really consultative. They know what I'm about to go through. They know the challenges in front of me um, and how you can go about and solving them. For, for the sales rep, you know, it's great because now I'm not like, you know, just throwing darts at the wall on which pitch is going to land, right? I know all of this, this insight coming into the opportunity, whether it's a new leadership change, whether it's this uh, sort of recent, recent investment, whether it's a hiring move, you know, all of these different things, I can craft my pitch. Um, and it's not this sort of cold, interruptive uh, sales or marketing tactic. Okay, so I've heard you uh, use a word that is uh, near and dear to our heart of primary intelligence, and that's the word insight. Okay, so there's a difference between data and insight, right? What, what why? Why insight versus data? What, what, when you say insight, what's that mean? Yeah, I think... Um, Insight becomes more of um, it's it's sort of a, there. There certainly is a third party insight layer, which is a lot of what Zoominfo provides, right? What we call scoops, what we call intent. Um, there is also this idea um, around like the insight that your salespeople are generating, and this is sort of where Chorus comes in. So you know, imagine being able to build a list of accounts that you've had previous interaction with but the sentiment was negative, right? Something didn't land. The prospect uh, had a negative interaction. And now all of a sudden you can see that, hey, there's a new leader here, right? Like that negative interaction that took place before at a great fit account is gone. And so we can, that is, you know, real intelligence and insight to be able to approach this particular prospect differently. Or, you know, the same, the other side of that coin, identifying prospects with which you've had all of this positive sentiment around, like, They've interacted with you. Um, they say like, you know, hey, this is great. I really like this, but it just never sort of gets over the hurdle. That's a coaching moment to be able to say, look, you know, we're hearing a lot of the right things, but it's pretty clear we haven't identified a real pain 
or created any sort of sense of urgency. And now I can coach reps and we can coach and change our pitch, our messaging, right? Offer it something, a different solution. That's where you have a real layer of insight driving at the accounts that you're chasing, which then has a massive impact on, on your win rates and your average sales price. You tend to see both of those things go up when you're a little bit more strategic. So love that, right? So what I heard you say is um, insights are like little discoveries on how to do things differently based on data, based on information. Yeah. Um, totally, totally get that and, and 100% agree. You also just mentioned course, and I want to go a little bit further into the conversational intelligence side, right? Let, let's, go, let's go there. The new acquisition, the new shiny object, the new cool thing. If I'm a sales manager and I'm trying to level up my rep because that's the job of every sales manager is help them hit their numbers, right? Level them up. What best practices can you share around infusing um, conversational intelligence into coaching meetings? Yeah, look, coaching and uh, it is a hard, it is like a, you know, 20 to 40 hour a week job without yeah, a tool yes. like conversation intelligence. And it's unfortunate because you said earlier, it's usually one of the sort of two, maybe three primary goals of every sales leader, but it's just so time consuming, right? Yeah. You have to like, hey, Ryan, make sure to invite me to a call. And you have to hope that that is a good call that you're going to get some moments out of to coach, or you have to you know, have a recording of a call. And then you listen to like this 45 minute or 30 minute or hour sort of diatribe to try to pull out some useful nuggets. Whereas conversation intelligence and chorus can automatically start to serve those things up for you. You can create tags. They have AI tags. It starts to learn your business. And so now you can pull out all of these great moments. And so you can pull out great moments to then have like a playlist, for instance, for brand new hires. Hey, this is the, these are all the sort of moments that make our sales cycle great or that our best reps do. This is great discovery. Here's a great way to talk about our pricing. Here you know, is Jane overcoming an objection in a really thoughtful way. You know, this is a great question. Now all of that is sort of being fed to you um, without you know, the hours upon hours of, of homework. And the reps, frankly, you know, they get a view into what their colleagues are doing, right? Every rep for the most part, they're probably not on your team if they don't want to get better or be the top rep. Um, and so now they can see like, hey, Sue is my colleague, but she's number one on a leaderboard. What is she doing differently? Or, you know, I heard John struggle with this question. I actually got that question on a call today. Let me forward it over to him and see, you know, if it helps him on the next time, right? And so all of a sudden you bring this whole culture of, of wanting to get better and having to be coach um, and being able to do it in a much more thoughtful manner. So um, truth be known, I have a total man crush on all of uh, Zoom Info, um, and, and it, it's real um, because of that kind of detail that you can really provide to, to the sales rep. I mean, to the rep, this is where you win or lose as an organization at the individual level. You know, people always talk about, talk about um, winning as an organization, but that happens one person, one human being at a time, one rep at a time. And if we don't have the ability to coach the individual rep with their data, it becomes not mine, right? It's somebody else's problem. This is theirs. It's them. It's their voice. It's their conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, CRM, they're great tools. They're great tools for someone like me, 
right? Like that leaders yes. wants to, yeah, wants to pull out analytics, wants to pull out insight. For sellers, it's just another thing that I have to go do. I have to enter this. I have to put a note in here, right? I, I'm supposed to log my activity. I'm supposed to create that contact and associate them to the opportunity. We all know that that happens, you know, rarely. And maybe you've got a good, a great team, and they're sort of like maniacal about doing some of those things. But just know that when they are doing that, that is taking them away from their core responsibility of interfacing with your prospects and selling and having a conversation and moving something forward. And so the ability for, for Zoom Info um, and our entire suite of tools uh, is, like you said, really for the seller. And we can bring in all of that insight, all of that data, all that intelligence, all that activity um, to the sales leader so that they can see now when I want to know what's going on with, with you know, Widget Corp and our opportunity with them, I can quickly pull it up. I've got all the contacts that are, you know, right there. Chorus pulls in, we call sort of momentum. So I can see all of my activity. Is it, are we going in the right direction? Have we stalled out? Are there any deal risks, right? Did their, did their CFO say, hey, this is way outside of budget. And I noticed my rep hasn't had a conversation or sent an email or received an email from them in two weeks, but that has a forecast date of this month that's looking less and less likely, right? Now I get all of that data. The reps can manage their pipeline. They know what they need to do. Managers don't have to be sort of harping on all of this stuff. Um, and again, I can bring all of that into a single pane of glass um, where I want it most without all the integration headaches and challenges. Ease, speed equals force multiplier. Love this. Okay. So let's, let's, Come at it from a slightly different angle. We've talked about sales leaders, sales uh, reps, and individuals. Let's talk about sales enablement a little bit. <clears throat> what ways? Let me let me ask it this way. What ways have you used or seen contact data leveraged when it comes to sales enablement? Uh, yeah, contact data and sales enablement. That's an interesting one. I think. I mean, I, I meet with our sales enablement team several times a week, uh, where where we've used sales enablement um, internally a lot and how it's helped us. Chorus is a big part of that. So, you know, they're able to set up sort of, again, these moments where they get alerted when something takes place, right? A new talk track we can go through. We can see if it's, if it's landing with a specific contact, um, you know, how is, how is that playing out? We're able to pull that out for, again, for coaching, uh, frankly, to coach our managers as well. So our managers will pull out sort of moments and send it over to enablement. Um, and then the other, I think, where, where sales enablement can have a, have a hand on this is by seeing um, some of the trends, right? If they're, if they're looking at where are we winning, where are we losing, um, where are we hearing maybe sort of uh, market alternatives be mentioned more, Right, you can get all of that now from contact data because you have the persona of the person on the call. Maybe they keep talking about this alternative offering, but you know, in the majority of your opportunities, you never hear about it. You know, you never hear about that market alternative. And so now, all of a sudden, enablement has this sort of great insight to be able to say, "Look, when we get this type of person on the call, all of a sudden we hear this a whole lot more." And our team isn't used to hearing that. And they sort of fumble over the objection. They make it sound like a big competitor. Maybe it's not at all. Maybe it's a complimentary solution, but they're just sort of baffled by the question that it sort of feels defensive from the prospect side and they might sort of be onto something, right? And so that's where marrying contact data, 
marrying the conversations that your team is having, marrying your first party data with win rates and ASPs and all of that. You can sort of bring all of those things together, um, either for sales leaders, you know, or for your enablement team to, again, help scale the right message across your team, help them, you know, as we say, get 1% better every day. 1% marginal gains. Yep. Atomic habits, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, fantastic. Um, so uh, at, at the beginning, when before we we started the, the episode, we got to know each other a little bit. And you were mentioning how you're a big soccer guy and you, your kiddos play soccer and you, you live in Seattle. What What is, who's your soccer team? Are, are you a Sounders guy or? I'm not. So I started because uh, Zoom Info is, is headquartered just outside uh, of Portland, Oregon and, and Vancouver, Washington. And when I first came out to Pacific Northwest, I, I live in Portland. Um, so I'm a Timbers fan, PTFC. I still have season tickets. Um, so yeah, that is from an LLS perspective, that is my, my team. Um, in the, the English leagues, it would be Man United. I've always been Man United. Sure. Sure. Okay. So let's say you and I are sitting down at a, at a, at a Portland game. Okay. We're sitting down, we're, we're, we're chit chatting. We're just enjoying ourselves watching Portland beat, you know, whoever it is that they're playing. What would you say the most important things you would tell me that I should understand when it comes to leveraging my contact data to improve my win rates? Uh, it's a good question. I think what, um, what we've tried to do, I think there's, there's a couple of things. Actually, um, here's one of the things that we're seeing internally and we're starting, um, we've done this a little bit. I think we're gonna start leaning into it a little bit more mm-hmm. is, um, so when we, when we capture an inbound lead, let's say, Immediately, we're using our own solutions. So we're using Zoom Info's Form Complete. We're using Zoom Info's Enrich. We're using some of our routing technology. We instantly append all of that data. So we get their title. We get their you know seniority level. We get uh, phone number, email, all the firmographics, technographics, et cetera. That enables us to score the lead um, and the potentiality of the opportunity. Um, so what I mean by that is... is all of these things say that we should win this opportunity. It may be a, a 15% rate versus a 20% rate versus a 30% rate. And we should win it, you know, maybe at 15K versus 25K versus, hey, this is a 50K opportunity. Because we're able to capture that and we have a clean data layer right away, we can then route it to our SDR team. Uh, they get back to it within 90 seconds. So there's the first step. Um, is if you can get to those leads faster, conversion rate skyrockets. But then the interesting part, I think, that we do in our business is we then route that lead based on potentiality, um, potential win rates, the title of the individual. That goes to a certain set of sales reps. So the contact data really dictates for us where this goes, what we're going to talk to them about, because then it has a big positive impact on our on our win rate. So like we have a team that is really good at talking to marketers. So if a VP of marketing comes in, we want them to go to that person instead of the team that's typically used to talking about the sales use case and the sales persona. And it just doesn't mesh well. We either pitch the wrong products, the, it's a bad experience for the customer, and then it's a bad experience for us because we don't win an opportunity that was absolutely winnable. That's like a pretty advanced one. Um, but I think if you if you start looking at Contact data, I think, sort of has, you know, a, a, a bad side. And like, I used to be able to just go out and buy a list, right? Just give me a list, I buy a list. Right. I talked about that book of lists earlier. 
there's a big portion of the market has been conditioned to think of data that way and think of contact data. Oh, it's just name and title and email and phone number. And I should be able to get it for a cents on the dollar. Um, right. That is not the case. You can use if it's accurate and if it's you know being able to be uh, used as a strategic advantage, it can then have like massive impacts on, again, the efficiency of your business, uh, the performance of your sellers and what they're able to accomplish uh, day in and day out. And frankly, the experience for the customer. Um, because if I'm a specific role and responsibility, my hope is that I'm talking to a, a person that knows exactly you know, either the challenges that I'm trying to solve today, or even better, the challenges that are gonna be there for me down the road um, if you know, I don't go with, with vendor A, as an example. It all starts with your contact data. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the sales side. Let's let's add one more wrinkle to the conversation. We've talked about sales leader, sales individual, sales rep. We've talked about sales enablement. Let's talk about you know marketing and sales because those two you know the the hand and glove, the the one two punch of of the the organization that way. Um, how do those two play together? Yeah, they, I mean, hopefully they should be uh, sort of tied together at the hip and, and working together really well. I think one of the best things that, that we did as we started to mature, um, I think where some of the frustrations I've heard, um, you know, from marketers and from sellers, right, is, is there sort of seems to be this disconnect. Yeah. Sales at times wants to close. They tend to be focused on revenue, uh, sometimes marketing. It maybe has the same same objective, but it isn't clear. So they think, hey, more leads or you know, maybe it's a higher quality lead and then sales is on the other side saying, well, I don't get as many leads anymore. But, you know, so I, one of the things that we've seen is that doesn't tie, happen here, by the yeah, way, exactly. we've never heard that here. No, no. get everybody on the same goal, tie everybody to revenue, uh, right? Everybody has a revenue focus in mind. Um, and so the things that, that we think about between marketing and sales, sure, there is a lead quantity component. There's a quality component. We measure conversion rates as well. How are we converting on these leads from, from capture to demo to opportunity to win? And how do we, you know, both as marketers or as sellers, you know, get that incrementally better? So again, we're all sort of driving at the same pieces, but even um, throughout the sales cycle, marketing and sales can, can work together in a really uh, thoughtful and strategic way, um, you know, as a, as a support system um, to, to help drive that revenue. That's helpful. So I think um, the last piece here, I believe somewhere in our conversation, you were talking about creating messaging for the individual personas. You know, why, why is it important? You know, I'm assuming that it's important, but why is it important to get messaging to the persona? Shouldn't my just canned pitch and my value proposition be the thing? Yeah, uh, certainly. Um, maybe not. You know, the, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I think, look, there's... Today's um, buying committee, again, has changed. We talked about the tool landscape changing. Buying committees are changing as well. We call yeah. buying committees, right? The Somebody that goes out, you look at a product or a solution, 99% of the time, it's not that one individual. Unless you sell the really small SMBs, you happen to have the CEO on the phone. Every other opportunity, there is uh, a bunch of people sitting around the table thinking about sort of how this impacts all areas of the business. Um, and that's where marketing and sales you know, should be, again, aligning their messaging to that persona. So one of the things um, that you can perhaps think about 
is how do we get that buying committee engaged when maybe we haven't necessarily connected with all of them, right? Maybe Ryan's the guy that came in, he did the demo, he's of a certain persona. You obviously marketing delivered the right messaging to him, got him in the door. The sales team then took it to the next step and delivered the, you know, got them all excited about how we're going to solve this. But what happens behind closed door, right? Like the the 83% of the time of the buying journey is when your rep isn't interacting right. with the guy like Ryan. It's literally 83% of the time. So you have that, we talked about that 17% window where your sellers have to be great. That's where Chorus and you know, the Zoom Info data and all those things can help you out. But as outside of that, um, if marketing and sales are working together and giving that visibility so that we can see, hey, Ryan is persona A, he came in, we're obviously serving up messaging to him. Well, let's think about multi-threading. Let's go at this particular account. Marketing can now start you know, sending air cover campaigns or brand awareness. And if you have the right contact data to know who are typically the people involved in the buying committee, all the personas that your, your platform, your solution, whatever it is that you sell can help, then you can start strategically dripping content to them so that once an opportunity gets created, we're interfacing with Ryan. Now marketing is providing that content coverage to others within the organization. So persona B and persona C has their messaging and persona D has their messaging. So that when Ryan goes back to the table and says, hey guys, I just took a look at you know, Zoom Info as an opportunity for us. Other people around the table are saying, oh yeah, I've heard of them. Or, oh yeah, um, they can do this for me. And, and that's probably something that maybe you and Ryan never even talked about. But now all of a sudden you've got excitement across a larger community uh, committee internally. You've got perhaps the ability to sell more products and cross-sell, upsell right on that first transaction to increase your ASP. Um, so those are some of the things that some of our customers um, have talked to us how they're using our data. You know, it's one of the ways that we use it. Um, I think, again, it's one of those plays that's... Uh, it's on the pipeline um, that we talk about our top hundred plays. Fantastic. Briars, man. Thank you. Th this was fun, uh, insightful. Uh, good to, good to know that you've got some internal uh, problems living in Seattle, but you know, rooting for, for Portland, that's always fun to hear. Uh, but no, it's uh, really, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully it's been, uh, been valuable for everybody that, that, that was listening and, if there's something I missed or you know, if I'm thinking about wrong, please feel free to reach out to me. I, I want to get better and better. So thank you. Oh, this, no, this, this was awesome. Thank you. And listeners, don't forget to check out primary-intel.com slash podcast, where you'll be able to find free resources to help you improve your sales experience from both Zoom Info and Primary Intelligence. Make sure to subscribe and tune in next week as we continue to explore topics on how to improve sales experience, increase win rates, and elevate sales enablement. In the meantime, again, check us out at primary-intel.com to find out more on how you can tap into your buyer feedback to win more deals. See you next time.